Kongs, Archons. Welcome to Sanctimonious, a Keyforge podcast where two zealous Keyforge players discuss various topics regarding combat within the Crucible. Stand at attention and salute your hosts, Sir Jake and Sir Dan. Welcome back to another episode of Sanctimonious. This is Jake, joined as always by the one and only Dan is someone, Dan Johnson. No! So, uh, if you haven't heard the news yet, stay tuned. <laughs> Sanctimonious headquarters here in shambles. Rubble is falling down around us at the current moment. But before we get into all of that, why don't we, as always, jump first into our weekly inspirations? All right, uh, Gen Con is happening as we speak right now. Sealed Vault Tour just wrapped up. Congratulations, Devin, on uh, taking it down. And a huge congratulations to our very own, the Nick of Slots, Mr. Alex Slotnick, going all the way to top 16 before finally being eliminated. Also, special shout-outs to Ira, who went, I think, 5-1, but wasn't able to be there for day two, so he had to drop, so he made day two, but wasn't able to stay. And I believe Ben the Monkey was 4-0 and dropped to go play a different game system, a mega game, I believe, at the at the Gen Con there. So some really good results. I think everybody else in the Sanctimonious, I think a lot of people went 3-3. Three and three. So B-Hawk, uh, Jay Freddy, I think, went 4-2. and two. And we just had, we had a lot of people that were, like, giving us their updates. Should probably look back through that. Who else? We had Dr. Sheep, somebody else, somebody else, somebody else, somebody else. Like, our chat is just... Too, there's too much. I can't scroll all the way back up. But I know we had a lot of people there. Uh, we tweeted out a picture the other day with, man, what was it like? It was like 10 plus people, right? In Sanctimonious yeah. shirts. Like that Something was like that. Nuts. Basically, all the shirts in circulation. That are was, there. <laughs> was, yeah. was. Except for us. Yeah. yeah. Right. Dang it. Um, yeah. It was so cool. Seeing that picture was really cool. Um, I saw a random player that was on stream had one of our archive cards. And like, I kind of geeked out a little bit because I don't know the guy. Like, I don't know that he's in our Discord, but he had our archive card and he was using it on camera, which was like, whoa. So yeah, thanks to everybody that's been like passing those out. I know I've sent it out to a lot of you and a lot of you are like, yep, I got rid of them all. And yeah, so if you've done that and you want more, please let us know. We're happy to send those out because that was, that was so cool. It's been a lot of fun. Like this entire weekend, everybody kind of taking in Gen Con together. So like, that's my big inspiration. Like just seeing Team Sanctimonious out there crushing it. Just having a good time, just tearing it up at uh, Gen Con there. And yeah, me and Jake are both super sad that we can't be there. So well done, everybody. Like, it's just really cool to kind of see this community grow and then like come together at these big events. Hopefully in the future, me and Jake will be able to join at said big events. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, after this like tremendous FOMO that I've been going through already for two days, like I- I'm, I'm going to be at Gen Con next year, if humanly possible. My inspiration is I finally played my second Adaptive League match. Woo! Slowly making my way there. You know, it's about the tortoise and not the hare. And I played against Roadrunner from our Discord. Uh, He was a fantastic opponent. Scholar and a gentleman. Yeah, and what I really uh, enjoyed about this so much is is I hopped in the voice chat, so we were able to talk and banter the whole time through. And... I think the gentleman's name is Paul. I hope I'm getting that right. But he is 65 years old. He had gotten into Keyforge from his son, you know, his adult son, uh, as a way that they can hang out and connect. And, and I think they play online against each other a couple of games a week. And somehow through that journey, he found our podcast. It seemed like he had picked up a lot of tips from it, which he demonstrated by promptly dispatching me game one (laughs) you know what they say jake you know what they say those who can't play teach (laughs) right that's exactly right (laughs) and and he made a really great play in in that first game it came it was two keys to two keys really coming down to it and he had five amber and a miasma in hand which he used to go up to six, putting himself in check for maybe the second or third time in a row. 
and I didn't have the answer. So that play won him the game where I think a lot of people would have been tempted to hold that back in case I did have the answer one more time and in which, you know, and then he, he perhaps would have lost because of it, but he really made the right gamble there after, you know, taking all my resources to Amber control resources out of my hand turn after turn. And, and he did just get there by one turn off that play. So that was a really impressive decision. uh, And it was cool to see. I did luckily uh, was able to get him back in games two and three, but it was a total blast. And, you know, again, a reminder of how cool the Keyforge community is and that not everybody is in the exact same demographic. So, yeah, so Paul Roadrunner is sort of a champion for the 60-plus crowd, and he's a great player and fun to play against. So really quick, I found a couple of other people. Verbally Insane dropped at 3-2 and two because his opponent no-showed him in round five, so he decided to go check out the con, which is understandable. Kintab, K-I-N-T-A-E-B, Kintab. We're just going to go with that. Uh, clawed back all the way back to 3-3. Three and three. I think he was 1-3 and three and did the claw back, maybe. So that was fantastic to see him kind of turn it around there. Um, and then, let's see here, Dr. Sheep. He got misery exploited, as he put it, and went 2-4. and four. But hey, sometimes you can't help what, you're op- what you open and, uh, yeah, what you get matched up against. So great job. And Vault Boy, God, I can't remember. Vault Boy was 3-3 three and three or 4-2. and two. Yeah, just it was great. It was so much fun. It was so exciting that entire yesterday, yesterday being Wednesday, just people checking in or no, yesterday was Thursday. Excuse me. No, I've got my days mixed up. But yeah, it was super fun. Super awesome. Good job. Sanctimonious peeps. Go to our main topic. So the new set was announced, so that's exciting. We are going to be colliding worlds. Um, just a really quick um, notation here. We aren't going to do the cards, like we're not going to spoil any of the cards till the very end. We're going off of what is just on their official announcement. But if you are someone that doesn't want to have the cards spoiled, you're safe. For now, we won't talk about any of the cards. We're just going to talk about the set in general and then the, some of the new mechanics. And then once we go to the card section, we'll kind of give you a disclaimer so you can either skip ahead a bit or just, you know, shut the podcast off at that point. Because I know some people like to go into some of these sets brand new with fresh eyes and not aware of what's actually out there, which is very cool. We will respect that. Yeah, and there there are more cards out there than what we will be covering here. I guess they've been demoing games at Gen Con all weekend. I saw on Reddit, somebody had climbed on the ground to take pictures up at decks in a glass case (laughs) (laughs) to get get the exclusive on whatever cards happen to be on the bottom of those decks, which is fantastic. But for the purpose of this, we're just going to look at what was officially spoiled on the Fantasy Flight Games post. Yep, so Worlds Collide is going to come in November. They confirmed that they're going to stay on a November-May schedule, which is really cool. So that means two sets per year. Nice little six-month window for each set to kind of breathe, live, collect, and then move on to the next one. So I like that. Uh, The next set's actually going to be 405 cards, which I think is uh, about 45 more cards. I think they've all been like 350, 360. So it's going to be a bit bigger of a set. And we're getting two new houses two new houses so what's that mean uh so we've got to rotate out two houses because they are looking to keep it at seven houses and first on the chopping block was mars mars is going away second brace yourselves sanctum is gone it will not be around in the next set they finally figured out that we are too op and they nerfed us and when they nerf something, see library access, they nerf it really hard. So Sanctum, you are too good and you must go. I don't think I'm being irrational here when I say there's no other possible way to interpret this news as a direct attack on our podcast, specifically by the Keyforge team at Fantasy Flight Games. Clearly, they've taken notice of what we're doing over here in Sanctimonious, the community we're building, <laughs> uh, just the, the love for the game and the joy that we're spreading throughout the community. And, and they wanted to put their foot down. 
No, so, so somehow Brad was actually asked about it on the stream the other day while the tournament was running, and they asked him why those two houses, and he essentially said that Sanctum and the one of the new houses, the Sauron Republic, Sauron Republic, Sauron Republic, something like that. More Sorian. on them in a second. Yeah, so he said they're very similar and that they're going to have big beefy dudes that kind of sit on the table with maybe a little bit of armor and kind of just try to stick to the table, which is kind of Sanctum's shtick. So instead of having like the possibility of having two houses that just clog up the board really easily with those kinds of mechanics, um, Sanctum had to go. And then the other new house is the Grand Star Alliance, and they are kind of a enabler of all of your houses. They're very, they work together well with out of house items, whereas Mars is very self centric and only works with itself really. So they just kind of swap those out. And that was the reasoning that he gave on stream as to why those are the two that are rotating out. But they assured us that uh, these houses will be back. We'll be seeing more little rotations like that, potentially with each set coming. And so, yeah, it's kind of exciting. It's super exciting. But, you know, it's it's sad. So turn it, tune in next week for Sorian Monius, <laughs> a Keyforge podcast. Enter the inner the Coliseum. <laughs> Yeah, that's clever pretext by Brad, but I'm not <laughs> buying it. Brad, come on the podcast, defend yourself. Yeah. In all seriousness, to me, just incredibly exciting news um, to see we're getting another set coming out quickly. So quickly, more cards than we've ever had before, just increasing, I mean, exponentially increasing the complexity and like the differences from deck to deck, which I think at, at the current set, like you start seeing similar patterns pretty quickly. As, as your opening deck. So, I mean, having more diversity in decks and maybe houses that play out much more differently depending on the cards you get. With two new houses, that's two of the houses, pools, they're going to be completely brand new cards. So of the 405 divided by seven, I mean, I don't, what is that, like 40 cards or something? I'm just so, I'm so excited. I mean, this is great. It's going to be a wild new world again when the next set drops, and it's pretty exciting from what we've seen so far and what is to come. So yeah, let's actually jump into the houses. Do you want the dinosaurs or do you want the space people? I want the dinosaurs. <laughs> Take it. Dinosaurs are you. I'm actually a little more excited about I guess I'm in the minority. I'm the one stood against many and that I'm kind of more excited for Grand Stars. So yeah, tell us about the Sorion Republic. All right. Well... From the Fantasy Flight promo here, Saurians tend to be large and physically imposing creatures that even the giants of Brobnar would think twice before fighting. But more than that, the Saurians pride themselves on their philosophical debates led by brilliant minds like the Philososaurus and technology so advanced that lesser civilizations mistake it for magic. So what we have here is physical strength, paired with intellectual acuity i mean i don't think you could i mean i still think it's a stretch to say that these are simply superior beings that will run rampant across the crucible uh dominating anything that stands in their way i mean they have a 65 million year head start on everybody else I mean, <laughs> according to the to the release so yeah no i i think i mean i really think it's cool i think they're it just fits to me, perfectly with the world of Keyforge in that a lot of these houses are familiar yet different. I mean, you don't see a lot of dinosaur Roman. I mean, it's not really <laughs> a common fantasy trope, at least not what? in the world I'm aware of. Uh, but, you know, just like the art style on these is great. I really do uh, like the theme on them quite a bit. And yeah, I mean, I'm just really excited to see uh, how they play, how they're similar to Sanctum and, you know, how they might be a little bit more skill intensive version of that based on sort of a new a keyword that we'll get into in a bit that seems to be pairing quite heavily with this house. All right. So now my turn, we have the Grand Star Alliance, which could almost be the Grand Star Trek pseudo spinoff of the Star Trek vibe which is kind of cool and you know I can't wait to pull out my best Shatner or uh, Sir pa Patrick Stewart and you know lay those cards down with that either British accent or you know that affected Canadian twang I don't know what do you what do you call Shatner's voice I know he's Canadian we'll just give it a Canadian twang I've no, a Canadian twang that's funny man <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I don't know either all right but anyways their backstory is they crash landed on the crucible they're stuck here 
Their crew brought with them advanced technology and included sophisticated computers, jetpacks, ray guns, and the omnipresent wrist modules that links each crew member back to the quantum central computer. So yeah, I mean, I really hope there's like a beam em up card or something, you know, like <laughs> there's there's just so many ways you can take beam abduction instead of a key abduction, huh? huh? But yeah, no, it seems really cool. Like Like we said, they seem to, their kind of big shtick is working well with others. They don't, they don't necessarily have to work with themselves all the time it looks like they have a lot of ways to use out of house cards and that kind of thing kind of built into what they're trying to do so yeah super exciting super excited this this house just like smacks of something that is going to be really powerful like if i had to just make a gamble now on which of these two new houses will be more impactful in the metagame knowing only a handful of cards each less than a handful i think Grand Star Alliance just seems like something that games have trouble getting the power level of right. You know, strong passive abilities, uh, lots of little ways to manipulate the game state and the board seems like just total combo fodder. So, I mean, I think even though I had the dinosaurs and I think the team <laughs> there is more interesting, I think these guys might end up being a really strong and formidable house. Well, and I think they're going to really shine too when they're in a deck with two other good, like strong houses. It seems like they're a really good support house. And we've had some good support houses. Like Logos, I think, has always kind of been a good support house just because it allows you to draw a lot and archive things to set up for big turns. Whereas this one seems like you can build a board and then drop these guys. And on the turn you drop these guys, you can still use your big board or have these guys on the board. And just, I mean, just allowing you to go out of house activations is really, really strong in this game. And you can make make the use of most of your board that uh just gives you more options and more ways to get ahead yeah i mean and i think they have one card that isn't spoiled here that is just like already so we won't talk about it today but will in the future that just seems like how is this card not totally busted all right keyword abilities which one do you want i want i want exalt so exalt seems to be from the cards we've seen now uh, the keyword new ability most associated with the Saurian Republic. And the way Exalt works is it's something, it's an ability that creatures will have, uh, or perhaps an action it's on, to it's Exalt. On, yeah, uh, okay. we've seen a few action cards with it as well. Okay, so it could be an action or creature. And it says, when you Exalt a creature, you place one amber on it from the common supply. Just like captured amber, if this creature then leaves play, the amber is added in your opponent's pool. So some of the cards we've seen, and we'll talk about more here, is a creature that you might play that exalts itself or like reap to exalt it. So you'd actually be putting common amber from the pool onto your own creature. So uh, this ability has an inherent drawback in order to get some benefit. And I love the design of this. I think that the uh, decision space is really rich. I mean, anytime you have to do a cost-benefit analysis, I think that is something that pushes the player skill because I mean, it's exalt will never be something that you want to do in all circumstances because a lot of times you know it could be something that simply if your opponent has a board clear a way to get rid of that creature it's just free amber for them. Word word of returning in a coda or AOA deck. I don't know if it's an AOA. It's definitely in coda. The word of returning is an untamed card that'll return all captured amber to your pool. So yeah. So the, so the drawback is very real. Uh, however, it'll be very interesting to see what type of benefits you get from that. Because, I mean, this game's all about Amber. The designers know that. So with such a serious drawback, you'd expect to see some really powerful and cool effects to get with it. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I just really like that from a game design perspective. It seems wide open for how they could design cards to take advantage of this. Uh, and then also, yeah, just from a playing cards I mean, I really like that. I like I'd like to see the the complexity and 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 skill level the pilot decks raised in subsequent sets, and it seems like certainly that's what they're attempting to do with this keyword. Yeah, no, I mean, because you could potentially set yourself up like if that's your only creature on board, and your opponent has a big heavy board across from you, they're just going to smack your dude with a fight ability or just like anything, just going to remove it to get that amber. I mean, that you allowed them to fight instead of having to reap for that amber and actually control your board at the same time. So yeah, it definitely opens up some very cool decision trees that you'll have to make as you play these cards that potentially exalt and to see what kind of cards may follow that 
actually care about captured amber on creatures. So yeah, it's a, it's a really cool mechanic. I like it. All right, so now that I get the middle pick, I will take Ward. Ward is when a, uh, it's a counter. A creature can only have one Ward counter on it at a time. Uh, when a creature would be damaged or leave play, you instead discard each Ward counter on it, and your creature lives to fight another day. So we did some um, rules lawyering on this already inside of our Discord, and we found that purging also will just get rid of the Ward counter, because purge is uh, when this... It has to leave play to purge. We found that in the rule books. So pretty much you put a ward counter on something. They can't hysteria it. They can't fear it back to your hand. They can't. And there's just so many things they can't do. <laughs> they can't eat it with a zookeeper. They can't eat it with a collector worm. They're going to have to do it twice. So they have to get rid of the ward counter first. And then they can purge, destroy, archive, whatever. So these ward counters are going to be insane. They're just going to make whatever creature you put it on doubly is hard to remove <laughs> i mean you've gotta you gotta you gotta destroy purge bounce it twice in order to get rid of it yeah it's i mean i think this in and of itself is very clearly the most powerful of the three new mechanics yeah but having said that i mean the context we're bringing into that is from aoa and Kodo, where there are so many powerful creatures that give you such a huge value if you can keep them on the field like your uh i don't know which of the eyes is a great example yeah, anything anything with which in the name <laughs> <laughs> uh professor sutterkin like there are there are a lot though beyond just the witches uh so i guess how good it is is gonna be largely dependent on how many of those powerful creatures that you just need to keep out on the board are in the deck that can ward so, I mean, if you see, I guess what I'm saying is, depending on the cards in this set, I, I mean, it could be stronger or weaker, depending on how many of those just crazy, powerful cards that have lasting effects that you can keep around are present. No, definitely. But yeah, it just, it'll, it'll it I, I feel like we saw from Coda to AOA, we saw a lot more board centricity, like being on board matters a lot more in AOA. And you just, you kind of have to have a big board to win the game. And we saw it in the finals today, the sealed match. The deck that was able to get a big board and hold it was the deck that won all three games. So big boards in AOA are something that you really need. Now I think it feels like with this ward ability, now we're just we're making the boards even harder to interact with. So now the board states are going to become even more complex as you're trying to figure out, do I exalt? Do I ward? Like, how do I get rid of their ward, dude? Like, there's just, like, the board's going to get... <laughs> this game had a lot of depth in Coda, and it just keeps adding more and more layers when you didn't think it was really possible. And that's kind of amazing. Dan, do you do you like big boards and you cannot lie? I cannot lie. <laughs> you other Arcans. You other Arcans. <laughs> Is that my Canadian twang? Uh, you other Archons. Can't deny. Yeah, we can pass that one off to Key for it to do with what they see fit. <laughs> right. Uh, but... I honestly think this is something that could potentially, once again, dependent upon the larger set, War, that is, provide a really good answer to some of the super strong decks we know from Coda that are, are just all about Amber, expected Amber, Amber bursting, just getting tons of Amber um, just from playing cards alone. Because I think a, a reason that those Amber Rush decks or racing decks, whatever you want to call them, uh, are able to be so successful is it doesn't exclude the ability of those decks from just being able to deal with the board quite easily with board clears like gateway to disc right you can be rushing all the amber you want and then it just takes one card to very easily clear off the opponent's board or hysteria or so on and so forth so i think that ward might allow decks that really care about the board uh, to compete with those decks in a way that they couldn't before by making those most important key creatures actually difficult to remove, which is something totally new to Keyforge. There never really has been a creature yet that is too difficult to just get off the board. Yeah, I mean, we have Elusive, we have Biomatrix Backup, we have a Backup Copy. Like, we have ways to, like, kind of bounce it and bring it back the next turn, but nothing that just says, nope, I'm just going to stay put. Right. <laughs> you have to get me next time. And like, I mean, imagine, and when we've got cards like Nizik Resonator that is making keys cost plus four, 
I mean, but it's not around anymore, Jake. Mars is gone. Right. I know. I'm just saying, like, as an example, like, can you imagine if you were able to ward something like that? No, agreed. All right. So, should we go on to the last of the new keyword abilities? Yep. All right. So, this one is Enrage. An enraged creature must be used to fight if able, at which point the creature removes all enraged counters. I like this a lot. You like this? I think it's like... I do. It's, to me, it's the least interesting, but that doesn't mean it's bad. I don't know. There's a lot of good reap and action abilities out there that you can just... <laughs> um, sorry, my daughter likes to play with the doorbells. Okay. Hear doorbells. That's why. Um... Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of creatures that have really good action and reap abilities, and to just throw an enraged counter on them to say, "Hey, you can't use that. You actually have to fight." And even if you, like, I mean, it's almost a pseudo stun that they can't remove if your board's empty. If you yeah. put a fight, a fight trigger on somebody, I guess that's gonna be that's gonna be something we're gonna have to ask on. But I would think if they have a fight, if they can only fight and there's nothing to fight, they probably won't be able to use it, right? That's really interesting, actually. I hadn't considered the fact that they might just not be able to fight. Uh, but yeah, I think that's absolutely right. But even then, even then, though, but even just given that, like a lot of these creatures that you really hate to see action or reap are like two or three power. So if they have to fight something, like they're probably dying when they fight into something. Yeah, I mean, and that's exactly how I see this card. It's which is a little bit unfortunate. I mean, so it will we'll have to see. All of this comes of course with the huge caveat that this we don't know the cards of the set by and large. Uh, but the way they set it up in I guess the preview of it is some houses will be interested in using enrage to, you know, stop a creature from activating its ability and and then they demo a card we'll get into later from Shadows uh, that does use it as like a removal spell. Whereas some houses like Brobnar that want to fight can enrage their own creatures to get some kind of benefit. And that kind of makes, (laughs) that sort of makes me sad because it seems like this is so much better used just in the abstract without knowing the cards. It seems like as a defensive option, like using it as removal or quasi removal is a lot stronger than using it on your own card. So it just kind of makes me sad if that's the decision they went with that enrage actually ends up being a lot more useful for a house like shadows, which is already, you know, dominating the metagame than it is for the fighting house itself. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Yep. So that's enrage. I think it's going to have a lot of interesting uses. There'll be times when you can really, um, yeah, I mean, you can really just delay. It's like they have that action. You've got the naughty, the thief sitting across from you. You can make sure that naughty can't actually steal anything from you. So you can just use it kind of like, super defensively to protect your amber or if they have a zookeeper out their zookeeper can't just eat your dude that's holding all their amber just different there's a lot of different applications where i just see this card really shining or this not card i guess but ability can really shine good situational removal which is i mean removal is always good but at the same time it's removal that can only be used on certain threats like it's not going to do anything against that collector worm that's tearing up your board you know so it only will work on some things anyway, so that's another drawback to it. But either way, it'll be interesting to see what they do. It seems like the dis- the design space within Rage might be a little bit smaller than with the other new keywords abilities, which is why it's the one I'm least excited about. But of course, that could all change as we start seeing some more cards. And I'll be especially interested to see how it works offensively. So on warding, I think I, I misread it the other day. So it just says... Um, the one the creature would be damaged or leave play, you instead discard each ward yeah. counter on it. So all you have to do is like poke it. Right. <laughs> if you poke it once for one damage, they don't take the damage, but they lose their ward counter. Right. All right. So warding just got dialed back a little bit in my mind. It's not. I thought it was destroyed or leave play, but damaged or leave play is a little bit different. Um, but yeah, still strong, still pretty cool because a board wipe, you'd have to ping it first before you play your board wipe. And sometimes that's not always possible. Fish out all your three times poke decks from the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Get poking. That also points out one of the most exciting things about a new set is it really gives you cause to go back and, you know, it just changes the whole metagame in such a substantial way that it makes you want to go back and even look at your old call to Archon decks and see if, okay, in this new meta, 
how will these fare and same with AOA. Yep. And so our last non-spoiler topic is a new card type. Um, so AOA introduced us to legacy cards and Worlds Collide is going to introduce us to anomalies. So an anomaly is an incredibly rare occurrence and they can manifest in any house. So they're, they do not have an actual home. They just show up where they show up. I think we know that there's seven potentially in the I new set. Right. I think there's been some somehow someone somewhere confirmed through numbers and math and stuff that there's potentially at least seven of these anomalies floating around. And so Brad kind of hinted too that these might be from like future future sets that are just making an early appearance or maybe they're just things they're thinking about. So they're just going to drop them in here and there and just see what happens when they're actually in the game. So um, either way, really cool. Like the card art, like if they're all like the one that they spoiled is so cool. There's like lightning bolts all over it. It's, it's pretty sweet. And with that, I think uh, if you don't want to hear Wait, about cards, I, if you want to keep your... Oh, yes, look, uh, go for one, it, I just wanted to share an alternate opinion. I'm not a huge fan of the lightning on the anomaly cards. I just think it, I think it looks a little... Uh, I don't know. It would have been cool if they did like a whole different border type or something interesting. But just to like Photoshop on a little bit of lightning over the top. That doesn't do a lot for me, but it's like arcing around the house that it shows up in, arcs around the power, the armor token. I don't yeah, know. I fair like enough. It. I just offering an alternative opinion for uh, I don't know. I guess our listeners with uh, more refined taste. <laughs> <laughs> I don't usually look at the art, so be happy I like noticed it. But yeah, um, that's cool. All right, and it'll be interesting to see what they do with anomalies. Yeah, let's start talking about cards. I'm so cards. excited to talk about some of these cards. I want the first one. Well, no, you get the first one. All right, it's a you can have it. You can have it. I don't it. care. I, I, All right. All right. Generous. So we are looking at a Surian here. A Saurian. Saurian? 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 I don't know. We'll figure it out as we go. The Philophosaurus. Dinosaur. Philosopher. Four power. No armor. Uh, he has a reap ability. You may look at the top three cards of your deck. Awesome. We love Igor. Archive one. Sweet. Add one to your hand. Even better. And discard one. This dude is nuts. I mean, he does have to stick around so that you can actually use him the next turn to reap or if you have something to ready and reap with him. I don't know. But looking at three cards and effectively getting to keep two of them and get rid of the worst of the three is super strong. Yeah, it, and it gives giving you that information about your deck. I think this is one of the most powerful reap abilities we've seen. I mean, it's really up there in terms of powerful reap abilities. Yeah, and just to note again, this one's a may look at. So if you are if you have two cards in your deck, you're gonna keep one and or you're gonna archive one and put one in your hand. Same case, if you only have one card in your deck, you're going to archive that card. So make sure if you're gonna reap with this guy that you have at least three cards if you want the full effect. Or you can kind of cheaty your way through it if you only have two cards left in deck because you'll get to archive one and keep one. So just things to keep in mind. You don't when you look at the top three cards, you don't get a reshuffle yeah. if you're also, out of cards. Four power is sort of a sticking point for a lot of AOA and COTA cards. Like we see a lot of three damage spells, a lot of two damage actions, but uh, that four power means this guy is quite a bit harder to remove. Okay, so Star Alliance card. Uh, five power, one armor, creature, Captain Val Jericho, a human leader type. During your turn, if Captain Val Jericho is in the center of your battle line, you may play one card that is not of the active house. So that's really interesting. I mean, I really like cards that do interesting things with the battle line, since that's one of the unique things about Keyforge that even in AOA where it's a little more important is still not always super mm-hmm. impactful in the game. Uh, so this is an interesting one because keeping it in the middle is is a pretty big ask. It'll be very easy for your opponent to disrupt what you're trying to do there. Uh, it might not be able to go right in the middle if it's your first turn or when you play it on your turn. I mean, it, on yeah. your... Uh, I was going to say, it should if, be if... So the way the way I have it in my mind right now is that on the odd numbers, so one, three, five, seven creatures, 
it's going to be considered in the middle if it's, you know, so if it's one, I mean, it's the middle. It's the only card you have. If it's three, if you have three creatures out, as long as it's in between the other two, and that's one on each side. If there's five, there'd be two on each side. And so it is kind of interesting, and you can actually affect it during your turn. So say you had four creatures out, and she's got one on one side and two on the other. If you have another Star Alliance dude, you play them on the side with one, and then all of a sudden that unlocks yeah, absolutely. her absolutely. And, and I mean, the saving grace here is that you get that passive effect right away. And whenever you get it, it's a yep. helper bot, which is crazy. So, I mean, getting one... <laughs> five yeah. power and one armor. So getting one use out of this five power, one armor thing is already like the most incredible helper bot of all time. And we all know that's a really strong card in its own right. So the fact that you can get multiple activations, I definitely think this card is powerful. And yeah, yeah but it... But, it does create some interesting lines of play. I assume if you have four and this is one of the two in the middle, it would not be. I don't think it is. It's not in the middle. So it says in no. the center. So like if yeah. So yeah. So I'm hoping. I'm hoping they clarify that. Like I like I said, I feel like it should be. Um, I think it should always be on odd numbers because that just makes sense. Because that means there will be exactly two to each side. So hopefully they just clarify that, and then yeah, that sets up so many interesting plays. I really feel like. Um, she's going to be better earlier in the game when your battle line is not as big, so you can kind of work with it a little bit more. Because if you have a huge battle line, six, seven creatures out, and you have to put her in, um, it's probably going to be a while before yeah. she's in the middle. And she could also be like a quasi like taunt if you put her. You could set up a battle line where they have to get rid of one creature, but if they do that, they'll be unlocking your captain or something. So lots of interesting things. Yep. I mean, they could have. They could have no, said super cool card. during your turn if you have an odd number of creatures in Captain Val Jericho's in the center. They didn't do that, so we'll we'll have to see. We'll have to see on the ruling. But I, I would assume you do need an odd number of creatures. Yep. Alright, so the next card. We have another Star Grand Star Alliance card. It is Force Field. It is an upgrade. It comes with an amber pip. Hooray! This creature gains reap. Ward this creature. Not today, says the card. Um, <laughs> flavor text. Um, yeah, reap and ward this creature. That is sweet. Um, if you have a already ready Grand Star Alliance person and you drop this on them and they can reap right away, all of a sudden they've got extra protection. They're not going anywhere. At least, you know, it's going to take a little more work to get rid of them. Or if you have a online Captain Val Jericho, you just throw that on your active house creature. That's actually crazy. I don't think we yep. made the point on Captain Val Jericho. It's passive, so it's not like only on your Star Alliance turns. It's literally any turn you could use that. So that yep. card's crazy. This card seems good, I would say. Not. Yeah. No, like any kind of upgrade where you have to like tap to do it. And then Captain Val, just to point out, is a rare, so you won't see her as often, but very strong when she does show up. Um, this one's an uncommon. Yeah. Um, yeah, like anytime you have to reap, like there's that drawback. So we know Dusk Runner is an inherently strong card, but you still have to. So Dusk Runner is a Shadows upgrade that gives a reap ability of stealing one when a creature reaps. But you still have to either have a ready creature when you play it, or you essentially put it on a creature you want them to have to deal with. Yeah, I think upgrades in general are just much weaker because they're so much, they're just nat naturally uh conditional because you have to have a creature on the board you have to have a good target for it and it's often difficult to get use out of so i like to see that it has an amber uh and ward we talked about is powerful but only on certain creatures really is it going to be impactful so i mean it could be good in the right deck but maybe it's actually a, a little bit closer to average to weak the more i think about it all right well then do the next card and then Tell me what you All think right. about Ward. So this is an untamed card, two power creature, the Feathered Shaman. Uh, so two power uh, untamed cards. We've seen them strong before. This one's a human witch type. Uh-oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it has elusive uh, and has the fight reap ability. Ward each of the Feathered Shaman's neighbors. hey -o warden all over the place i mean i don't think this is the strongest witch card we've seen no no uh, definitely not i mean it seems okay I, I i would say i don't honestly don't think this card is going to be that powerful i mean again it's really conditional on having creatures next to it and getting to use it you don't get any amber pips out of it it's two power 
it does have elusive and we talked about ward being really good i mean if you can get two wards out of this it's great i think it just it it puts out another card that they kind of have to answer especially if you can surround it when you play it um or even just playing untamed playing that on the flank next to a creature that would be nice to have a ward token the next turn being able to go untamed again and drop another untamed creature next to it yeah like there's definitely like it, it's just it's another card you have to kind of be concerned about if you're sitting across the table from it you kind of have to think well if they ward their guys is that gonna like if i'm digging for a board clear because their board's getting kind of out of hand and they drop this guy then it's like well i need to answer that as fast as possible so that my board clear actually right. does go off so no i just I th- yeah it's another creature that needs to be answered at two power with elusive yeah in general creatures are good when they require a response from your opponent and this one i think requires a response from your opponent in some cases so it's not like the hunting witch that or the dusk witch that always need a response so i think it's definitely a tier below but probably not a card you're going to be very unhappy to see in your deck often and sometimes will be a card that's just absolutely incredible when surrounded by the right cast Yep. All right. So next one we have is a Shadows card. It's an action. It comes with an Amber Pip. Hooray. Play. Deal one damage to a creature and enrage it. Sweet. (laughs) I like it. I mean, it's simple. It doesn't do a whole lot. One damage can actually come in handy sometimes. See Dusk Witch. Or just see the entire ward mechanic as we just talked about. This (laughs) right. I mean, yeah, there you go. I'm seeing this in a whole new light now that. We sort of had that yeah. conversation about how you just need to do a damage or something. I mean, if they have a really, yeah, yeah they got a good act, act, uh, a really good action creature or a reap creature warded off. Pestering Blow is about the best card in the game. It gives you an amber and makes them not actually able to use its action or reap ability if it had one, and and gets rid of the. They ward. have to fight with it. Yep. Yep. Nope. That seems. Uh, that seems. That seems like a good good use for it. Cool. So it's a shadows card. So they needed some help. <laughs> it doesn't steal anything that's that's true that's true this seems like a good card and depending on how big warding it becomes in the metagame like a really great card all right your turn robbers all right robbers artifact ire staff it does give you an amber so i mean i'm always happy when artifacts give you an amber right because often they don't do a lot it's a weapon type and has the action enrage a creature, give that creature a plus one power counter. So I guess they're kind of hinting that, yeah, you could use this offensively or defensively. I mean, to use it offensively to give something enrage and a plus one power counter is not actually a big drawback because you're probably going to be fighting with it that turn, meaning it just loses the enrage right after it fights. So that's kind of cool as an artifact and then having a repeated way to enrage something i think is decent <laughs> i mean it's yeah. it's probably a card that i don't know it's hard because like a lot of times from what we've seen out of brobnar like the bad brobnar sets are ones without very many creatures or ha- are short on creatures so like when you see a non-creature brobnar card it has to be really impactful like it has to be pile of skulls generally to be good so i don't know i'll be interested to see if this card is ultimately worth its slot in a lot of lists. And it's a common, so we'll be seeing it a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's repeatable, which is nice. It's an action, so you have to call Brobnar to use it as well. So it's kind of got that caveat going on it as well that you're going to have to call Brobnar a lot. But um, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of a nice risk reward. I like that it's repeatable, but there's like kind of a drawback if you do it. Like you're giving them the plus one power counter every time you enrage their their guy. Yeah. So it kind of like says, well, you should you can enrage their two power dude, but then he's going to be a three power dude. So make sure you have something on the board that's at least going to kill him if he swings in at you or something. Yeah, artifacts are always so. slow too, but at least when you get an amber out of it, you're getting some reward right away. So I, I wonder if this even shows a little bit of an, an evolving of the de- design philosophy of Keyforge cards, because I mean, you look at this ability compared to something like cannon we saw in set one that's just deal two damage to a creature as an action and didn't give you any amber i feel like this effect is clearly more powerful uh, more flexible than cannons and you get an amber out of it i think i think that's cool so i think there's there you're seeing a little bit of growth from the designers yep all right so next card is a saurian card again it is a six powered one armor paraguardian 
This is a dinosaur soldier. This one has a reap ability. You may exalt Paraguardian. If you do, ward each of its neighbors. So we take the untamed guy. <laughs> we make him huge, give him an armor, and then if he puts an amber on him, you can ward both the guys next to you. Yeah, it's super great that this is a May ability, since you're not always going to be wanting to do that. So, right. I mean, but this is the kind of exalt, this is, you know, an exalt effect that is a situational extremely strong. So I think that's cool. I would imagine most yeah. of the times you use this, you're not going to be doing it. Potentially. I, I know there's probably one card. Yeah, I won't say anything because it's not officially, officially spoiled, but it was played on camera. And yeah, Exalt can be good for you too. Cool. <laughs> you get it. Here's the pretty card. It's so pretty. I can hardly I can hardly read. There's so much going on oh, here. Oh my goodness. All right, this is a four-power creature that is in Brobnar on this card, though perhaps it could appear in any house because it is the anomaly type card. So it's the Grim Reaper. It's a robot specter type. So specter. Shadows has shadow self, which okay. is a specter. The guy kind of looks shadowy. Yeah, it does kind of look shadowy, but it does have a big red axe, which looks Brobnar-y. Anyway, the ability is if you are haunted, the Grim Reaper enters play ready. You are haunted if there are 10 or more cards in your discard pile. Super cool. Ooh. That's super cool, like to see the discard pile potentially down the line, having a set more oriented around that. That's exciting. Yeah. It kind of reminds you of, uh, um, Cal, what's the MTG mechanic that I'm blanking on right now? Oh God. Uh, dredge maybe, or, or threshold. Yeah. Dredge threshold. Yep. That whole kind of thing, which is kind of fun. Yep. Absolutely. And then, uh, reap purge an enemy creature and a friendly creature. So yeah. So halfway through your deck, this card is awesome. I think I think it's a strong card. Yeah, I mean, if you play him early, you give him you give them a chance to like respond to him, which can be okay as well because yeah, they're just gonna have to they're gonna have to worry about it once you drop him. But yeah, I mean, obviously, like towards the middle to the back part of your deck, you'll probably have enough creatures out that you can purge one and not feel too bad about it. Yep. Or maybe purge a warded dude so they don't actually go away. Oh, oh. oh my goodness. <laughs> Dang, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it's probably not that important since it's an anomaly. It'll be very rare to see, but it's a cool card. But, the design is yeah. awesome. The lightning. I'll get over it. <laughs> All right. All right. So as we're recording, we're running a little bit long as we always do when we talk about cards. So there are still eight more cards left that we haven't talked about spoiled in this post. We are going to each choose one more that we're excited about to talk about. And we will cover the rest next time on Sanctimonious. All right, so it's my turn. So I'm going to finish it out. You hugger mugger. Uh, <laughs> just That is not going to get old playing. Oh my goodness. So this is a Shadows card. It's a creature. The hugger mugger is three powered. He's an elf thief. He's elusive. He has no armor, obviously. I believe they have a key over it, but I'm assuming it's a playability. I guess it could be a reap ability too. I'm not sure. Either way, it's capture one amber. Then if your opponent has more forge keys than you, steal one amber. So potentially a two amber swing. Um, I'm, I'm guessing it's probably a play ability. I can't imagine that being a reap ability. If that was a reap ability, that'd be kind of silly. At least it feels a little silly if it's a reap ability, but I don't know. I just like saying hugger mugger. Any card that says steal is probably pretty, pretty good. Uh, and yeah, this one seems like often you'll be able to get that full ability. I mean, it's no urchin, but... Hey. Yeah, I mean, it captures one. So, I mean, you're at least getting the one for sure. Really good when you're behind and it's okay. So maybe it's not that good, but I just really like the name. <laughs> I'll finish off with Senator Shrix. This is another yes. Saurian, a four power, one armor that says you may spend Amber on Senator Shrinks as if it were in your pool. It has a play reap ability, which is you may exalt Senator Shrix. So, which is to remind you, putting one Amber from the common supply on this. I really think this is interesting, especially from the standpoint of that you get that right away if you choose. So when you play this, you can just immediately put one amber on it. So if you're at five or more amber and forging a key next turn, your opponent essentially has one turn to get rid of the card before you're able to use that as a free amber. And then, I mean, I guess you could potentially do it again using the reap. So I'm not really sure how good 
this card is. <laughs> I mean, it seems like at best, it's a four power, one armor creature with an amber pip that sometimes is just an amber for your opponent. Right. Maybe it's 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 kind of a middle card, but I mean, I'd say mediocre. I don't know. Looks like it's a common too, so you're going to see a lot of these. I think that's just it's it's super exciting. Like if you're playing a deck that has no board clears, you're just slamming these guys down all over the place yeah. and just saying, "Hey, you got to swing in and kill these guys real fast." If you're playing somebody with a bunch of board clears, then maybe you are just playing this guy as, van- as a vanilla four-one. Um, unless you're, yeah, like yeah, I want to say it's mediocre to good more more than mediocre to bad because I mean at worst it's just. A four-one, which isn't the right. end of the world. It's, it's it's a May, so yeah, like it's a sticky creature. Four-one is not super easy to get rid of. We I love Bramo in the current set that has a nice playability, and then even when he's on the table, he's killing four power dudes across from him and living through it to then either get a, an additional swing in or maybe a bounce back to hand. And yeah, so four four power one armor is is really nice. Yeah, it's it's hard because like I I mean I, I see the cool teal design i see the awesome little shell and it just makes me like like all these cards more like i'm trying to envision like if this was like a sanctum creature in aoa is it something i'd be excited about Mm, maybe not (laughs) i don't know it's tough yeah i don't know like it just yeah again it depends like do you have taunt guys next to him like or her i guess it might be a her it's a dinosaur i can't tell perhaps there's other ways to get that amber into your pool maybe from cards where you haven't seen yet ward it so they have to at least spend a lot of effort to get rid of it yeah so yeah cool so much fun i'm really excited so that was the first of our 10 world collide cards and we'll be i guess what do you call this like card reviews we'll be doing more of them in an episode coming soon so token makers out there let's see your new enraged and ward token counters i'm thinking about picking those up so let's see what you got (laughs) Because I don't know that I'll actually buy the box that comes with the uh, cardboard tokens. I kind of like acrylic better, so and most of my tokens are acrylics. So yeah, hit me up with your uh, your best designs, and I will buy one. If you want to follow me, I am Dan is someone on Twitter and Twitch. That is D A N I S S O M E one. And I've actually been pumping out the content lately. I just got Twitch affiliated, so thank you so hey, much, congratulations. everybody. Thank you, thank you. I finally caught you. Yeah, I finally hit that. So thanks to everybody that swung by the stream in the last month and helped me hit that goal. I really appreciate that. And thank you to the first few subscribers with their Amazon Prime subscribes. I really, really appreciate that. So yeah, uh, check me out on there. And I'm putting up YouTube videos of most of my streams after they're over. So if you're a YouTuber, you can check them out on there as well. Jake, where can they find you? I can be found on Twitter at jake freed j-a-k-e-f-r-y-d i wanted to just give a big thank you to warren on our patreon account who pledged 20 dollars. that's amazing i really really appreciate that thank you and uh yeah and thank everyone else who's already pledged to the patreon that's it for this week and i hope you will join us next week for yet another episode of sanctimonious you mean ceremonious <laughs> Archons of the Crucible, it has finally been discovered that we are OP. But never fear, we are spirit knights. We are everywhere. We are behind you now! (laughs) Did you just like ascend to a different plane? I was instructing all the knights out there to like, charge in from behind gotcha we're behind them they're spirit knights they're uh, everywhere. i got it i don't really but okay cool all right man awesome <laughs>